0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God, for our special consideration this morning is our second reading. Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 3 and 8 to 16 is printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear fellow strangers and pilgrims on earth. You know, it's kind of hard to talk about it. It's hard to talk about faith. At least it's hard to say the right things the right way and be understood correctly. That may surprise you somewhat. After all, we talk about believing in Christ all the time. We sing hymns about our faith. We define ourselves as believers over against those who do not believe. You might well ask, what's so tricky about faith? Well, Maybe it would help to consider some bad examples. A celebrity known for wild living and immoral choices says, My faith is very important to me. The TV news shows a man spending his rent money on Powerball tickets saying, I'm not worried. I've got faith. Or perhaps more common, someone gives a discouraged friend this well-intentioned but vague advice. You've just got to have faith. You see the problem? People talk about faith all the time, but it means whatever they want it to mean in the moment, and they don't really want to get specific about what it is or does. We can challenge every one of those examples with faith in what? Faith for what? You see, faith is simply trust. And you don't just trust you trust someone or something. You don't just believe, you believe in someone or something. Faith must have an object. It must point toward or take its strength from something else. And the problem is that it is both easy and popular to make the object of faith faith. People want to talk about believing, but not about whom or what they believe in. We want to extol the virtues of trust as though trust had value or served some purpose in and of itself. You just got to have faith that everything will turn out all right. You and I know better than that. And that's why it can be hard to talk about faith. In fact, we don't really want to talk about faith We want to talk about, we don't want to talk about believing. We want to talk about the one we believe in. Faith matters only when it's faith in Christ. And we don't want to point people to their faith for salvation. We want to point them to Jesus. Now Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the great faith chapter of the Bible. But the first verse here makes it clear that, that we have good company in the writer of Hebrews because he, too, doesn't want to talk about faith so much as he wants to talk about its object. Look again at the definition he gives. Faith is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced about things we do not see. So it's not faith unless there is something hoped for. It's not faith unless we're convinced about something. And it's that something that's most important. It goes without saying that there's wrong faith and bad faith, being sure of things that are uncertain, trusting people that are untrustworthy, or believing in gods that are not gods. The only good faith is true faith. And the only true faith is faith in the triune God and in Jesus our Savior. Why is that? Are we just being proud or prejudiced or, or arrogant in saying that our belief is the only right belief? Well, if we were just talking about faith and our particular brand of believing, and well, then, then we would be, but we're not. Our faith, the true Christian faith, is the only right faith and the only good faith because of its object, because it believes in the only true God, a God who can be trusted to keep his promises and to do what is right. Any other faith, whether in another religion, in another person, or simply in yourself, is a one-way ticket to disappointment. No other faith is going to get you anywhere you want to go. But the true faith, Hebrews 11 shows us, that faith takes you places. Believe in Christ, and you end up where you want to be. Now, the 40 verses of Hebrews 11, of which we only read 12 today, are are kind of a, a faith hall of fame. The encouragement here to a stronger and more vital faith is not believe harder, but rather, see, God can be trusted. The Holy Spirit's purpose here wasn't so much to show us the Abrahams and Jacobs and Rahabs and say, be like them. As it was to say, see, this is what faith does. This is where faith takes you. And we might say that the first place that true faith takes us is into the realm of the unknown and the unseen. That's what the first verse here is all about. Being sure of things we don't yet know and being certain of things we don't yet see. It's the expectation of a guaranteed outcome the confidence to walk safely in the dark. That's what hope is supposed to be for us. Something certain, just not here yet. Unfortunately, we often think of hope more in terms of of wishes than expectations. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Or, I hope to tour Europe someday. But faith makes the difference between wishing hope and expecting hope. We know what's coming. It's just not here yet. After the unknown and the unseen, faith takes us to everything there is to know and to see. By faith, we know that the universe was created by God's Word. Our belief in the triune God, though intensely personal, is not just limited to the space between our ears or to the community we live in. It includes the entire world. And it is only by faith that we can begin to comprehend God's creation. And only by faith that we can accept that God brought all things into being by His Almighty Word. That's an important point for Christians to remember no matter how much scientific evidence you present to refute evolutionism, to accept the creation account of Genesis 1 and 2 requires something more. To understand that the universe we see was made out of nothing by the unseen work of the Almighty God, well, you need faith to take you there. But faith also takes you places that you can see Feel and and touch. Spiritual events can have physical results. And and the life of Abraham is a case in point. God called Abraham and told him to go to a foreign country, to a, a distant land called Canaan. Abraham trusted God and obeyed, even though he had no idea what lay ahead of him. He made his home there. Confident that the entire land would belong to his descendants, even though he himself would never possess it, because he believed God's promise. This man of wealth and privilege, and his son and his son's son after him, they would spend the rest of their lives in tents and frequently on the move, not being able to call even one little place their home. But still, They trusted God's word. But remember that this promise was about a lot more than property. What Abraham believed that was credited to him as righteousness was the promise of promises, the promise of a Savior from sin. The land was important because it was there that God had determined to raise up his Son. The many offspring and the great nation that would come from Abraham were important because it would be through them that the Savior of all people and all nations would be born. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob aren't held up for examples because they had some kind of extra strong faith. Because they had living, active faith in God's powerful promise of salvation. Now, I suppose that after a while... Abraham could have felt that he deserved God's favor. After all, he'd been an obedient believer. He'd done what God told him to do. Or Isaac and Jacob could have thought that being born into such an important family put them on the fast track to heaven. But every time the writer here, Hebrews 11, says, By faith, he makes it clear that these ancients were counting on nothing but the Lord and his promises and that's because they understood how they stood before god otherwise without faith in his word nothing they could ever do would please god without faith trust in him there would be no way for them to get rid of their sins without believing what he said was true there would be no hope of heaven at the end of their lives we are in the same situation We know that we are poor, miserable sinners who are corrupt to the core. And if ever we forget that, our sinful flesh has a way of popping up and making its presence known in very disturbing ways. On our own, we deserve nothing but death and and damnation. And on our own, there is nothing we can do to please or, or appease God because our sinfulness has made us His enemies. We can put faith in ourselves, faith in other people, even just faith in faith, but none of those kinds of believing will take us to the places we want to go. The only solution to our problem, to your problem and my problem, is the Lord Himself. Because only He has the power to change things. Why He made the promise and why He kept the promises He did send a Savior, His own Son, born of a woman, born under the law that we could not keep so that He could keep it for us, born to live, to suffer, and to die to pay for our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay for them, born to live again after He died so that all who are born again might live again after we die. Here's where we have an advantage over Abraham and everyone else mentioned in Hebrews 11. Their faith was focused on a promise not yet fulfilled. Ours is focused on the reality of all promises fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord. It's good to remember that at the time of our first reading today from Genesis 15, Abraham and Sarah were still childless, meaning that none of God's promises had yet come to fruition. But as a sign of His power, His love, and His faithfulness, the Lord told Abraham that not only would He make good on the most important promise, a Savior from sin, but He would even back it up with blessing upon blessing nation from nation, generation after generation. Abraham knew that God could and would do what he said. He considered him faithful who made the promise. And because of that, by that faith, he and Sarah became parents in their old age, became parents when that had passed the point of possibility. Abraham believed in the Lord. And the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. That righteousness that Abraham had by faith is also ours by faith. It's the righteousness given to us when we trust in Christ for our salvation. And the place that takes us to is a place we've never been to but still call home a better land, a heavenly one, a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. This means that this sinful human world we inhabit is no more our permanent home than Canaan was Abraham's, Isaac's, or Jacob's permanent home. By faith, we have a place in heaven. And that means that we are strangers and pilgrims here, just Mere sojourners in a sin-sick world. Older translations use the word aliens, which makes clear that that we don't belong here. And that in turn reminds us of something that, that we want to particularly teach our children and youth. As citizens of heaven, we are not supposed to fit into this world. So many stresses and difficulties, even problems and, and sins result from the desire to, to be like others, or to find a way to live and identify ourselves that gives us a place to be comfortable in our culture. We need to remember that Christianity is, and always has been, countercultural. If you are a believer and you feel a little, or a lot, like there is some difference or distance between you and your friends and peers. That is good, right, and normal. We Christians have an identity of our own, a great and blessed identity that distinguishes us from everyone else. Not only what we believe, but who we are and how we are, how we live and love, how we think, speak, and choose, we are holy and righteous children of God. We don't belong to this world. We long for and are looking forward to a better country, a heavenly one, the best possible place to live a place where we fit because we are perfect people and it is a perfect place. It is a place where we get to live with Jesus and a place of unfailing treasures. And to make it even better, we know that He has prepared places for each of us there individually. He wants each of us with Him there and He will fully and eternally be your God and my God there. That is the place. The place that faith, the true faith, will ultimately take us. We are but strangers here. Heaven is our home. Because Jesus died on the cross to take away our sins and rose from the dead so that we too could live forever with Him. That is the object of our faith. That is what we believe. It's what you have. It's what you know. It is a certain hope that is already yours. It's something that we are very glad to to hold on to. We won't shrink back from it, but we'll keep on. Keep on believing in Christ. We will be saved and go home with Him. Faith takes us where we want to go. This faith will bring us home. Amen. Please rise. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, in connection with His blood, which established the eternal testament, may He equip you with every good thing to do His will, as He works in us what is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen.